Hello and welcome to the Old Time Radio Forever broadcast. I'm your host, Matt Perry. Join us weekly as we explore the golden era of American radio through the dramas, westerns, mysteries, and comedies that shaped the golden age. Be sure to give us a thumbs up or a five-star review on all of the podcast directories that you may use. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Old Time Radio Forever. Your host, Matt Perry here. This week, we're going to have a double feature. It's going to be an hour of westerns from the golden era of American radio. The first western up is Gunsmoke. Arguably, Gunsmoke is much more popular as one of the longest-running television shows in American history, but Gunsmoke got its start in 1952 over the radio airwaves. Gunsmoke was unique at the time. Westerns were geared towards children, and Gunsmoke broke that mold, starring William Conrad and two actors that I think, if you love classic television, you're going to recognize these guys, Parley Bear and Howard McNear. McNear and Bear both starred prominently on the classic 1960 sitcom, The Andy Griffith Show with Parley Bear playing the second mayor of Mayberry and Howard McNear playing Floyd the Barber. Tonight, we go back to the 1958 season of Gunsmoke starring William Conrad as Marshal Matt Dillon. This is The Correspondent on Old Time Radio Forever. City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun smoke. Starring William Conrad, the story of the violence that moved west with young America, and the story of a man who moved with it. I'm that man, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet. It's a chancy job, and it makes a man watchful and a little lonely. saying goodbye to my informant, the stage driver. The information wasn't worth it. Here, here's your hat. Uh, thank you. You just get off the stage? Yeah, I came all the way from St. Louis. I must say, St. Louis is looking better to me all the time. My name's Norton, uh, Reed Norton. My name is Adams, Dr. Adams. 
Anybody forcing you to come here, Norton? I'm a correspondent. I'm uh, after a story on the stage holdup that happened near here several days ago. Oh, I heard about that all the way to St. Louis, didn't you? Oh, your western shooting matches get a lot of publicity. Yeah, well, if you know all about it, why did you have to come to Dodge? Well, I, wa- I want the real story. Not some romanticized account. Uh, hey, maybe you can tell me what you know about it, huh? Mr. Norton, since you're so interested in the real thing and all, I suggest you get your story from Marshal Dillon. Huh? Uh, he'd be the man with the facts. Oh, and a swagger to go with him, I suppose. A swagger. Why don't you find out for yourself? I'll do that, Doc. I'll just do that. Marshal Dillon? Yeah, I'm Marshal Dillon. Come on in. You want to see me? You or somebody who can tell a straight story? No. Who are you? Norton. Reed Norton. I'm a correspondent out of St. Louis. I'm glad to meet you, Mr. Norton. Won't you sit down? Oh, thank you. Your uh, paper sent you here? No, it's my own idea. It's about time somebody wrote a story on the frontier the the way it really is and and not the way it's pictured in exaggerated accounts as in Harper's Weekly. Ah. And uh, you figure that you're the man to write that story, huh? A hard man to fool, Dylan. I've been worked on by experts. I was a general crook at the Rosebud. Those cavalrymen are pretty good at telling tall tales to correspondents. I see. You think you're going to get a tall tale from me, is that it? Seems to be a habit here in the West. A story isn't a story if it isn't three times life size. I'll tell you something, Mr. Norton. You're not going to get a tall tale from me. In fact, you're not going to get any story at all. Now, Marshal, you must have some explanation of how you let the men who held up... You figure that's the way it was. I can see you're not chasing them. Even though it's known one of them was badly wounded and couldn't travel far. Mm Mm-hmm. You got some suggestions about that? I marshal the way the West is advertised. Well, I know about the scouts, the cavalry. Well, you're welcome to bring him down here. That trail, Mr. Norton, was a day old before I even got word of the holdup. It could bear off on a hundred miles in any direction. A day old and swept clean by a wind coming all the way from Canada with nothing to stop it. I see. So you've giving it up. You're letting them get away. They won't get away. You're going to catch them sitting in your office, Marshal Dillon? You're going to write your story before it's finished, Mr. Norton? Sure, Kitty. 
Well, I understand you're a big disappointment as a marshal. Oh. Norton's been in here, huh? All afternoon. He sure has a chip on his shoulder about the way we live out here. Yeah, well, I think some of the cavalry boys gave him a pretty good hazing. Uh He's not the kind to forget. Maybe not, but he isn't doing you any good. Ah, Don't pay him any attention, Kitty. He doesn't bother me, Matt. But he's doing a lot of talking to anybody else who'll listen. He's beer, Mark. Oh, thanks, sir. Sure thing. Uh, Kitty. Yeah. What's Norton been saying? That you're sitting there in an office full of guns, not doing anything to bring the hold-up man in. He talks a pretty good story, doesn't he? Yeah, but Matt, I... Yeah, yeah, over here, Chester. What is it? Excuse me, Miss Kitty. Oh, sure, Chester. Uh, Mr. Dillon, Joe Porter just got in from a trip down Meadway, and he is pretty upset. Oh, why? Well, because long about nightfall, last night he was going by that old deserted Hutchinson cabin out there. He figured he'd bed down for the night. Oh, and he got scared off by the old man's ghost, huh? If they was ghosts, Miss Kitty, they was two of them. Well, all right, Chester, what happened? Well, two people was firing at Joe with rifles. He took off and never stopped for breath till he got here to die. The old Hutchinson place, huh? Yes, sir. Now, why would anybody be out there? I don't know, Chester. Yet. I get the horses. We'll ride out and take a look at that cabin ourselves. A ghost could shoot a rifle now, do you? I don't think it matters much, Chester. How's that? If a rifle's aimed at me, I'm not particular about who's aiming it. Uh, I Miss Dillon, I believe there's somebody falling after us. Yeah, you're right. Hold up a minute. see too good in this light. Just keep your rifle handy. Mm. I declare, Mr. Doom, it's that newspaper fellow. Yeah. What are you doing here, Norton? I've been tracking you, Marshal Dillon. Best tradition of the West. Ain't no cracking about it. All these goons are riding right behind us. Ain't nothing to that. What do you want, Norton? Why, I, I want to be in on the kill, Marshal. I want to watch you single-handedly bring in the Desperados. What makes you think we're after anybody? Oh, Marshal, you're not riding out here just to exercise your horses. I'll to send you straight back to Dodge. Yeah, but the night's coming on, Marshal Dillon, and you told me yourself how hard it is to follow a trail on the prairie. I got half a mind to let you find out for yourself just how true it is. But you'd get lost, and I'd have to waste my time looking for you. Then I, I can join the expedition. After all, you don't have much choice. All right. 
Why, just stay out of the way and mind your own business. You should know, Marshal. I I wouldn't interfere with the carrying out of frontier justice. And keep your mouth shut. And that's the best idea all. Oh. Marshal. Starting right now. Just over that next little ride, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. Chester, we'll leave the horses in those trees over there and go the rest of the way on foot. The way Ned Bundline tells it, Western peace officers never go on foot. Mr. Dillon, Mr. Dillon, couldn't we just tie up this smart aleck and leave him with the horses? Take it easy, both of you. It's just that I want to get things right, Dillon. I, I want to do you justice in my story. If you don't start being a little quieter, you may not be around to write a story. We're close to earshot now. Yeah, this is as good a spot as any. Chaucer, hobble yes, the horses, will you? I'm going to move up ahead a little. Okay. You come with me, Norton. I want you where I can keep an eye on you. All right. We'll see the shack from up here? Yeah. Won't they be able to see us? If they're looking, they will. Kind of, kind of dangerous, isn't it? You wanted to see how it was done, Mr. Norton. All right, you better get out. Now what? As soon as Chester comes up, we'll move in closer. All right, Chester. Let's go have a look. We're right on top of them, ain't we? Yeah. Now I'm going to try to... Get out. We sure ain't surprising them, man. You stay down, Chester. I'm going to try and talk to him. All right, you men in there. And the marshal out of Dodge City. Now, we're looking right down your throat. You'll never make it shooting it out with us. Now, you throw your guns out and come on out and you won't get hurt. You can't get us. Well, that's up to you. What will you do, Mr. Dillon? We're going to have to make it from the front, Chester. There's no way for one of us to get around back. What about me? You'd be smart to go back where you were. We're not writing the story. I don't feel much like writing one either. Mr. Dillon, look. Shaq, somebody's coming out. Yeah, I see him. Come back here, you... Don't shoot! Don't shoot! Got him, Mr. Dillon. Help me! Please! Help me! Don't shoot, sir. I ain't with them. I ain't with them. Here, let's get him down behind his rise. Yes, sir. Come on, come on. Come on. Don't shoot me again, Marshal. I ain't with them. They made me stay with them. It's all right, son. Yeah, let's have a look at that arm. They're eating pretty bad. Yeah. Bind it up, will you, Chester? I'll try, but it needs something real tight. Do what you can. Can I help? I don't know, Mr. Norton. Seems to me you've got your story. That, that can wait. That'll be a real good one, too. Yes, but I... That headline that reads, Marshal shoots unarmed boy instead of bandit, that ought to give your readers a real good idea of what the West is like. Well, Marshal, it's a Go on, right. write it. Uh, Mr. Dillon, I'll, I'll come in. 
Hey, you stay with the boy, Chester. But I said stay with the boy. I'll handle this. Chase. He'll be killed. Yeah, but are you all right? Yeah. Now get on back out there and watch that boy like I told you to. So. Yeah, but... Mr. Nobody Dillon. needs any help down here. Now go on. I'll be up there in a minute. Paper fellow is good for, he sure can handle a shovel. I guess it's good for us to have to dig at least one grave in our lifetime. Keeps us from taking anything for granted. But digging two seems to be overdoing it a bit. Yeah. You riding easy enough back there, son? Oh, sure, Marshal. Ain't nothing the matter with me. You just ticked me. And like they say, that bullet's a long way from my heart. Oh, don't get too gay with it and start it bleeding again. Doc will probably want to stitch you up a little bit before we get back to town. Oh, I don't think he'll have to do anything like that. No, Doc will do you a real nice job. I got something showing in my shoulder, and it's every bit as pretty as him stitching. Uh, Marshal Dillon. Yeah. Would you be interested in hearing some of my ideas about the West? Why don't you just write them down for your newspaper, Mr. Norton? Well, these are revised ideas, Marshal. I thought you ought to be the first to know. I don't care what you print in your newspaper. I answer for my own mistakes. What I was going to say was, I've come to see the West as a place to live, just like any other place. Yeah. Man has a job there, just like any other man. No different because he wears a gun. Yeah, a little noisier sometimes. Man makes mistakes in the West, just like he makes mistakes in St. Louis. He goes ahead, trying to do his job just like they do everywhere else. Well, maybe you've learned something after all. I think I have. Marshal? Yeah? I was just wondering if you'd let me buy you a drink when we get back to town. Sure, Norton. I'll have a drink with you. You may still have something to learn about Western whiskey, though.
Produced and directed by Norman McDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. The story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Marion Clark, with editorial supervision by John Meston. Join us again next week for another story on Gunsmoke. That was the correspondent from November of 1958, Gunsmoke, here on Old Time Radio Forever. Next up, one of my favorite Westerns. And it's unique in the annals of programming because, unlike most other radio shows, this show got its start in television. Have Gun, Will Travel, Paladin a gun for hire that lives out of the Carlton Hotel in San Francisco, California. He travels around the West, righting the wrongs of that bloody era. It ran from 1958 to 1960 on the radio. Paladin was played by actor John Daner on the radio. And television was played by Richard Boone. In tonight's episode... We travel back to the Carlton Hotel in San Francisco, California. Have gun, we'll travel on old time radio forever. Your guide would cut your throat for $10. And even if he didn't, you'd be shot by bandits or scalped by Indians. My gun is your safe passage. You're going to need it. Have Gun, Will Travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin. San Francisco, 1875. The Carlton Hotel, headquarters of the man called Paladin. You know, hey boy, I'm bored this afternoon. Too much of the same thing. Oh, you saw me, so Paladin. Mm. If only something different would happen. I say, Porter. Oh, oh something different, Mr. Paladin. So which is the way to Fleetown, Montana? Flea Town? Ah, uh, yes. Perhaps I might help. My name is Paladin. Oh, I thank you, sir. I'm James Brunswick. Hey, boy, bring Mr. Brunswick some brandy. No, no, you're very kind, but I, I can't tell you. See, my, my father, the 8th Earl of Aylesbury, invested money in this ranch in Montana, and now that my brother's dead, his share was left to me. And you're going there to take possession? Precisely, and uh -huh. my interest is high. The rest is owned by a fifth cousin, a Miss Felicia Carson. Well, I must make arrangements to get there quickly, uh, a lone woman attempting to run a large ranch. Well, you understand. Yes, of course. I imagine she'll be pleased to have a man's help. Oh, quite. Yes. Well, I'll, I'll hop a train and I'll just pop in on her in a day or two. <laughs> Three weeks will be closer to the truth. Oh? The train will drop you about 200 miles from Fleet Town. From there on, it's horseback over the mountains. Oh. Well, then in that case, I might do a bit of hunting. I shall hire a guide. And he'll cut your throat for your money. Good gracious. 
No, you couldn't do it alone. You'd get lost, shot by bandits, or scalped. Well, it's rather awkward. <laughs> uh, what's the solution? This. Hmm? Her gun will travel. Oh, I say. I mean, the gun, I mean, is it necessary? Not always. Sometimes it's mighty useful. If dandruff dulls your hair, leaves your scalp itchy, please listen. You can get rid of annoying dandruff so fast today, no one should suffer any longer. With Fitch Dandruff Remover Shampoo, unsightly dandruff's gone in three minutes. It's the quickest, easiest of all leading shampoos. Besides that, using Fitch regularly is guaranteed to keep embarrassing dandruff away. Simply apply in the unique Fitch manner. Before you wet hair, rub in one minute. This way, Fitch Shampoo penetrates right down to the scalp. Next, add water. Lather one minute to wash every trace of dandruff out of your hair. Then rinse one minute. All that loosened dandruff goes down the drain. In three minutes with Fitch, one rubbing, one lathering, one rinsing, dandruff's gone. And while removing dandruff, Fitch can also brighten hair up to 35%. To get rid of dandruff problems forever, brighten hair too. Use Fitch regularly. Get Fitch Dandruff Remover Shampoo today, only 59 cents. James Brunswick, 9th Earl of Aylesbury, endured the three-week ride over the mountains with the help of an English saddle, a sun helmet, and two pack horses carrying his trunks and carpet bags. He marveled at the size, the coldness, the expanse, and the beauty of the land. There were some Indians lounging around the general store when we rode into Flea Town. They stared at him, fascinated. He stared back, fascinated. We dismounted and walked up the steps. This is Flea Town, mister. You looking for someone special? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Miss Felicia Carson. Perhaps you can direct us to the King's Arms Ranch, sir? I'll be dying. Miss Carson? What is it, Wally? Ma'am, I think your cousin from England just got here. What? You, you James Brunswick? Yes, that's right. Oh. Well, I reckon you are my kinfolk. Oh, my goodness, Cousin Felicia. Why, this is delightful. <laughs> well, I reckon I'm pleased to meet you. I'm delighted. Uh, this is my friend, Mr. Paladin. A pleasure, Miss Carson. The same. Uh, this here is Waddy, my foreman. Howdy. Uh, you go see them horses is shod yet, Wardy. Yes, ma'am. Who is crazy clothes? I beg your pardon. Crazy clothes. Harry, you, you go on about your business. Quit standing around staring and take your braves with you. Go on now. Go on. <laughs> crazy clothes. Uh, I say, Cousin Felicia, those are savages. <laughs> no. No, them's Harry Blackfoot, Little Horse, and a few of the boys from across the road is all. James was disappointed that we didn't see any Indians on the trail. Ah, good thing, too. The only braves you'd run into up there would be a war party taking scalps. Oh, Harry and them a lot more peaceable. They ain't smeared war paint in years. War paint? Taking scalps? By Jove, it's all true, then. Just as I've read. Makes good reading, but it's nothing you'd care to see. No, no, I expect not. Well, well... This is your cousin all the way from England, huh? Now, look, Angie, let's not have now, any... Now, wait success. a minute. You the one who shot that poor little bear cub on that pack horse? I shot him, sir, but he's scarcely a cub. Listen to him, boy. <laughs> Why, 
mister, you just ain't acquainted with Montana breed of bear. Full grow, they're as big as this house. Really? Well, I, I, I never heard of any animal that large. I've only been in on the kill of one full-size Montana bear myself. I was with the Army. Took a ten-pound shot to bring him down. How extraordinary. And you know what we found when we peeled the hide off of him? No, what? Why, bear skin, you blame fool. <laughs> well, I must say the joke is on me, what? Hey, it sure is. What a dude. Come on, let's get up. You, you tripped me. How's the water in the horse trough? I guess it was a horse on you. You think that's funny, do you? You must admit a man swimming in a horse trough looks pretty foolish. Not as foolish as you were with your jaw busted. Seems like N.G. finally bit on one himself and he don't like the sour taste. You're kind of handy with your practical jokes, mister. Next time it might be better to let a man become acquainted with the local customs before you try to make a fool of him. In the 1800s, the Monroe Doctrine dictated that Americans put a wall between themselves and the world. Today, however, times have changed. From city dweller to farmer, Americans know they are part of the world and close to it. And the more they can find out about it, the better. That's why the broadcasts of Edward R. Murrow and Lowell Thomas are so popular. Each of these internationally known newsmen has a wide background in the history, the politics, the economics on which current events are built. Whether you're interested in high-level affairs of state abroad, economic developments here at home, or the latest advances of science, you'll find them presented clearly and understandably by Murrow and Thomas with the touch of wit or human interest that has won them listeners everywhere in the world. If you're not already addicted to the news as CBS Radio presents it nightly, start this week to follow the broadcasts of Edward R. Murrow and Lowell Thomas. They're both heard Monday through Friday on most of these same CBS stations. James Brunswick, 9th Earl of Aylesbury, changed to knickers once we got to the ranch. After tea and a pipe, he picked up his riding crop and announced it was time to look things over. Felicia Carson reckoned it was time. I tagged along. We made a circuit of the main ranch buildings and ended up sometime around dusk back at the corrals. Well, that's the works, Jamie. These buildings, 6,000 head of cattle and 12,000 acres of land. It's immense, absolutely immense. And you've been looking after all this alone. You know, you're an amazing woman, Felicia. Had to be done. Well, now that I'm here, I intend to take this burden off your shoulders. You just sit back and be the lady of the manor, huh? Well, uh, thanks, Jamie, but uh, for a while, you just sort of take it easy and don't strain yourself none. Uh, well, uh, I'm, I'm going up to the house. Supper's in a half an hour. What? Well, I, uh, I'm afraid that she doesn't take me very seriously, Paladin. Uh, that'll change. Right now, you're sort of unusual to her. <laughs> to everyone. You know, I've been thinking about... Uh, N.G. and his little joke this morning. I, um, I was being tested, wasn't I? Yeah. And they think that a man who can be tricked is a fool. See, around here they figure there are 
two kinds of no-good people, cowards and fools. In a rough situation, the coward will run out on you, and the fool might make a fatal mistake. And I showed myself up to be a fool. No. But you showed you've got a lot to learn. Let's say you've lost face. You don't quite fit in yet. Well, how does one go about fitting in, Paladin? Mm, Well, here. Here's your saddle. English. Made for riding. Nothing else, right? What else is there? Oh. Look at the saddle of mine. A western saddle. But, yeah, it's a cumbersome, heavy sort of thing. Maybe, but there's a reason for everything. See the horn here? A tie post when roping cattle and elbow rest for a man in the saddle all day. I see. And the height and the slope of the cattle here. See that? Huh? I figured to give a man the most comfort and the best brace through a day's work. Oh, the rigging, the cinch, the stirrups, the stirrup leathers are all designed to contribute something useful. There isn't a piece of leather on this saddle that isn't needed. Uh-huh. Well, I must confess, I thought it was an unwieldy piece of business. No, nothing on the frontier is without a definite purpose. No individual is without a definite purpose either. Survival's too difficult. Everything and everyone must contribute something, and you'll just have to find a thing that you have to contribute. I say, come on, look. Look, they're attacking us. They shouldn't be hostile here. They're showing themselves too openly. Oh, no. You see, they're firing in the air. Hey, they put down that rifle. Well, why did you knock the rifle? Shut up, you hit him. Come on, huh? Well, it, it looks like... Well, that, that's the one, Harry Blackfoot. All right, now, hold still, Harry. Let me see. Why, crazy... Just take it easy now. Of all the fool tricks, screaming like a bunch of medicine show squaws. It serves you right, Harry. Hey, can I help? And you say it was a joke. Everybody have fun. And you say... High in the chest. The bad one. You do this, Englishman. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was a joke. I take him to the house. No, no. We take care of our chief. I, I can't tell you how sorry I am. Why couldn't you wait and find out what it was about before you? Oh, never mind. We'll go into town in the morning. Maybe they'll listen to reason. We ain't had no Indian trouble here in years until you come along, you dang fool. with that kind of strong. What was that you said about a fool? A fool that makes fatal mistakes? Toward greater victories, the March of Dimes is again asking your help to wipe out the deadly cripplers of thousands of children and adults. Not only polio, but arthritis and birth defects. Did you know that one out of every seven persons in the United States will suffer from arthritis, an exceedingly painful disease for which no cure has yet been found, and that it menaces our youngsters as well as older people? And did you know that one out of every 16 babies born this year will have a birth defect? You have helped the March of Dimes fight polio and emerge the winner in the battle. And now your 1959 contribution to the March of Dimes can help win the battle with these other awful cripplers. We did it before, and with your help, we can do it again. Send your gift of money to your local March of Dimes headquarters. Send it tonight.
There was tension in Flea Town after Harry Blackfoot was shot. No one knew what the Indians might do about him. They had him holed up in an old barn, feeding him whiskey and working on his wounds. At least that was the news we got. Any, uh, when are you figuring to leave, Paladin? Mm, tomorrow. Uh, take him back with you for his own good. How long do you think he'd last out here before somebody blows his head off? You could learn if you'd help him. I'm running a ranch, not a school. Oh, it isn't as if I don't like Jamie. Well, then don't send him away. This ranch would give him a purpose in life. You need him. To shoot Indians? Would it be better if he'd run away and hid? Well, he he should have used his head before he used that rifle. He reacted the way any man would. He was attacked, picked up the rifling to defend himself. Uh, good morning. I'm sorry to have kept you waiting. Morning. Now, when we get to town, Jamie, you let me do the talking. The Indians are probably cooled down by now. If Harry Blackfoot is all right. N.G. started this, and it's up to him to stop it. Now, James, I just want you to show up and stand there like you got nothing to be ashamed of. That's of course. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I... Uh, Paladin, I, I'd appreciate it if you'd stay here until we clear up this matter, and then uh, I'd like to return to San Francisco with you. If that's what you want. Well, I, I believe it would be best for everyone. Oh, there he is, propped up against the log under the tree. Harry Blackwood seems to be recovering very well. Ah, he's drunk. They're all drunk. Look at that barrel of whiskey. Bet they got it from N.G. You better get N.G. before we try talking to Harry. You can't stay out here alone, James. Come with us. Well, I'd like to apologize to that fellow. Oh, not right now. Trouble make you got the engines all stewed up, the blame fool way. Don't you try to squirm out of this, putting all the blame on James. Well, I didn't have anything. And, gee, you're going out with us now and tell Harry Blackfoot exactly why all this is your fault. My fault? I don't have to explain that to you, N.G. Them engines is in no mood to listen to reason now. They'd kill me. If you don't go out there, I'll kill you. Send out crazy clothes. Where's my rifle? You kill any one of them and word will spread to every Indian in the section. And every one of them would be wearing paint in 24 hours. You get out there and tell them to stop it. I can't stop them. They want the Englishman. He's right. Where do you think you're going? Out there. Your little choice, isn't it? You can't go out there, Jamie. Well, I can't endanger your life or be the cause of an uprising. Stop him! If he can get across the street, maybe he can get to Harry. Paladin, why didn't you stop him? Sometimes a man has things to prove to himself. It's a rundown. They're going to swipe him down and promptly. Oh, no. He's getting up. Here comes another one. No man can take that kind of punishment. Oh, no. He's getting up again. He's trying to get to Harry Blackfoot. I'm going out there. Wait here. They'll kill you too, Paladin, if you interfere. Harry. Call him off, Harry. No. Braves teach lessons. We could have shot your braves by now, but that would have made a war. 
He's had his lesson. He's been hurt enough. Crazy clothes on his feet. Listen to me, Harry. Only a few may wear clothes like that. It is a proud uniform from a far-off land. Only brave and honorable men wear that uniform. The, the clothes are the sign of a great and wise leader, a, a man of strength, a man like yourself. You see how he behaves? Eno! I, I, I feel I owe you an apology, old man. I'm really dread, dreadfully sorry, you know. Inexcusable. Uh, You're right. He brave man. Better, Jamie? Oh, much, thank you. Yes. Fortunate the store carried my size in stock. Uh, uh, how do you like me? Do I look like a rancher? Paladin? <laughs> I guess you do with that. Well, come on in, Harry. Where'd he get your clothes? Uh, he requested them. Only brave and honorable men wear this uniform. Great and wise leaders. That's right, Harry. Me and that one, Englishman. No one else? No one else. Uh, good. Well, he seems quite happy. Well, now, Paladin, shall we return to the ranch and pack? Oh, you're not, you're not going to run out and leave me now, Jamie. You can't do that to me. I... I'm just a mere little old woman. That that ranch needs a man. Oh, thank you for the offer, Felicia, but really, I'm afraid there's so little that I have to contribute out here. Except courage. Oh, come now, Paladin. I mean, one, one doesn't talk about that sort of thing. Mr. Paladin, you're traveling back to San Francisco alone. Well, if, if you insist, I stay. One favor before I leave, James. Oh, yes, of course. I'd like the address of your tailor in London. If I sent him my measurements, perhaps he could make me a brave and honorable chief. Oh, you bought me so paladin. But where is man from the bowler hat? He's ranching in Montana. Oh, oh, him? Montana? Oh, he changed clothes. Well, but, well, Excuse me, please. Can either of you tell me the way to Henrysville, Oregon? Oh, sure. Uh, best is to go to a street at the end of town there. You Oregon find... and Henrysville are a long ways off. Oh, 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 oh. And difficult to get to. Oh, but you see, I really must get to Henrysville. A cousin of mine, a rancher, died. And it's my duty to take over the management of the ranch. Oh, boy. And you've just arrived from England and you're in a hurry. Well, yes, that's quite correct, as a matter of fact. My name is Paladin. May I offer you my service? Would you... Pat Garden will travel. What kind of service? Sit down, please. Hey, boy. A glass of sherry for Miss... Uh... Wiltshire. 
Lady Angela Worthshire. Uh, for Lady Angela. And hurry. Oh, he saw. Get Sherry right away. Ooh, Lady Angela. Oh, boy. Tally ho, Mr. Paladin. Uh, now, Lady Angela, I think I should tell you... Must you hold my hand? It's an American custom. You must accustom yourself to American customs. Oh. Well, now the service you spoke of. It begins tonight at 8 o'clock. A dinner at Fabre's, then a glass of sparkling wine at the Porter, and then a tour of San Francisco. You must see the points of interest before you leave. I feel I'm already indulging myself in something interesting. Lady Angela, I know I can assist you. You know something, Mr. Paladin? I'm quite certain you can. Created by Herb Meadow and Sam Rolfe, he is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald and stars John Daner as Paladin with Ben Wright as Hayboy. Tonight's story was written by Sam Rolfe and adapted for radio by John Dawson. Featured in the cast were Virginia Christine, Ralph Moody, Gene Bates, Barney Phillips, James Nusser, and Harry Bartell. Hugh Douglas speaking. Have Gun, Will Travel, salute station KRMG Tulsa, Oklahoma, which became CBS Radio's newest affiliate on Monday, January 5th. KRMG covers 93 counties and reaches about a million families in the Southwest and operates on 50,000 watts daytime and 25,000 nighttime. Join us again next week for Have Gun, Will Travel. Thank you for joining us this week on Old Time Radio Forever. Be sure to check out Old Time Radio Forever on all of your favorite podcast directories and share it to anybody that you think would love Old Time Radio. A special thank you to the Old Time Radio fans Facebook page. They have been so supportive in listening and giving positive feedback to this podcast. So until next week, this is Matt Perry signing off and saying... Goodbye, everybody.